We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. You can check out their website, andyanddon.com. That's andyanddon.com. And of course, call now, leave a message. They will get back to you at 905-529-7165. That's 905-529-7165. Good morning, gentlemen. Good, Good to morning, see you all. Good morning, Scott. Yeah. All right. Uh, a lot of people talking about this, especially with the housing market the way it is mm-hmm. right now, downsizing. It's true. And, uh, you know, as people are talking about how do you cash in on the whole real estate market right now, and one of the perfect scenarios is if you're a senior ready to downsize and move from your home to assisted living or a retirement home, Mm -hmm. boy, uh, compared to a year ago, you've probably got an extra $100,000 or $200,000 that you didn't think you were going to have. That's true. So anyway, we... This is a, a real life situation that I that I've been dealing with over the last uh, six or eight months, and I'll, I'll, so I'll tell you a little story and some of the background about we'll call them Fred and Mary, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, Fred and Mary they were clients of mine for they've been clients of mine for oh almost twenty years now I think, and and so Fred unfortunately passed away about five years ago, mm-hmm. and they had been married for like fifty years, and so Mary today is ninety. And she, they were part of a blended family. So years and years ago, the, um, uh, their Fred's marriage had broken up. Mm -hmm. And so Mary, uh, and Fred met and got married and they've been married happily for 50 years. So there was a stepson from Fred's original marriage and he is now 55 and he's married and his spouse is 55 as well. And so Mary has one granddaughter. So they hadn't, they didn't have any other children themselves. Right. So, uh, she has one granddaughter and a stepson and, and a, and a daughter-in-law as well. So, um, basically the, the, and over the years, the, the grandmother and the grandfather, so Fred and Mary had decided they wanted to do something for the grandchild mm-hmm. and, uh, and they had been, a, uh, a contributing to a registered education savings plan. And over the years that grew to $70,000 that wow. they had contributed and has basically paid for four years. The granddaughter's in her final year at university right now and looking to go on to some post-grad, mm-hmm. uh, maybe a master's program or something like that. And in addition to that, Seven years ago, as sort of legacy planning, so they're in their 80s at this point, they decided to set up a life insurance policy for the granddaughter, which they have paid up completely. So they overfunded it, paid it up. And that policy, by the time she's 60, is going to be worth over a million dollars. So so they've left a legacy in many ways. They've, mm. they've, they educated their granddaughter. And they also, in advance of before they died, they set up a legacy that would uh, stand the test of time for her going forward. She probably won't have to worry about retirement down the road. Wow. And so that's kind of nice, right? Uh, so in September, I got a call and Mary said, you know, I want you to, could you come over? I would like to have a chat and just get an update. Mm -hmm. And so one of the first questions she asked me, she said, how do you think I'm doing? Do you think my, like, am I mentally, am I still good? Am I, am I, (laughs) have you noticed any changes? Hmm. And so after we had chatted for a while, I said, no, I don't really don't see any changes. I think you're doing really well. Uh, she said, well, I've decided that I need to make the decision about moving out of my home 
and getting into a retirement residence. While I still can, I don't want this to be a crisis. So I'm sort of taking the bull by the horns and I thought, well, good for you. That's fantastic. So as that sort of, uh, and of course, I mean, the big question is, can I afford it? Could I, can I afford to do this and how would that work and what would it look like? And so when you think about in Hamilton area today, the basic, your basic accommodation for retirement residents with meals and being looked at, you know, looked after and some modest care along the way is about $2,700 a month. So that's at the very sort of bottom end. And that's about 32 grand a year. At the upper end, we see places for a single person, you know, around $6,500 or even higher. Mm -hmm. But at $6,500, you're getting into the upper echelon of quality of everything here in Hamilton. And uh, that's about $78,000, $80,000 a year that it would cost to do that. And that's like a hotel every day. (laughs) Almost, literally. All inclusive. (laughs) It's everything. And um, so, you know, so the fall became a mission to visit some places and we met again in November and she had uh, narrowed it down to two or three and she had floor plans. And so we were, she, we were looking through the floor plans together and I guess at the end of it, I, re- I remember commenting saying, well, I like this one in particular because the bathroom is separate from your bedroom. In other Mm -hmm. words, you don't have to walk through the bedroom to get to the bathroom. And so if you have guests over, it'd be nice if they have to use the washroom. They don't have to go into your bedroom. Uh They can use it outside. Well, that made sense to her. And so that became sort of the focus as you zeroed on it. So that place ended up being kind of middle of the row. Mm -hmm. It's about 4,700 a month for her care. And so now we kind of knew that we had a ballpark. And then on top of that, she said, well, but I still want to live a bit. Like there's other things I might want to do or excursions and gifts for, you know, my granddaughter and stepson, et cetera. So that, that would be a thousand dollars a month. So all in the, the whole situation we decided would be about 5,700 a month. And, um, and, and that would be, that would be her goal in terms of her expenses. So what was her income? Well, she had pension income. So this is recurring income every month. Another check arrives. There was some Canada pension plan, some old age security, a pension from um, the United States as well. So she had $40,000 a year of income from pensions that were basically guaranteed for life. Mm-hmm. So the remaining money had to come from her investments. Now, her investments included a tax-free savings account, 75000 cash in three different bank accounts of combined about 80,000 her she had a mutual fund portfolio with us for about 200,000 and then she we had uh, she had a segregated fund investment which is a mutual fund issued by an insurance company <clears throat> and the beneficiary on this plan was to her uh, to her stepson and her family mm-hmm. <clears throat> pardon me and the house was worth about 475. So all in, she had $1,630,000 of assets. That was her net worth. And so that plan was that she was going to be in that retirement residence, 4,700 a month. And we allowed for inflation because costs for retirement residences are going up. So two and a half, three and a half percent. So higher than normal inflation, which is about two and a half percent. And then that's spending money as well. So she needs about 68,000 a year. So we had a gap taxes, etc. Uh you know, with one point one million we needed another forty thousand a year from her investments. And the investments themselves were one point one million. 
and we'd ignored the bank account. So from a percentage, that means she would have to take out about 3.6% of her portfolio, her whole portfolio each year to generate that 40 grand. So the next step then is we looked at something called an income longevity guide. And the income longevity guide gives us insight into what are the odds that based on her taking that much money, how long will it last before there's a risk that she could run out? Right. And so when we plugged in that, remember she's 90. So uh, <laughs> at, at, at 3.6% with 2% inflation, uh, she would, it would last, she had, we're 99%, 99.9% confident there's always a mar- there's always a margin of she's error. She's got money till she's 150. <laughs> 112. Wow. So to age 112, we could, for 22 years that portfolio 1.1 million could sustain a 3.6 percent payout with 2 percent inflation on top of that each year, uh, and with 99.9 percent confident. It dropped to 90 percent confident, 90 percent success after living to 117, so that's another five years, and then it got down to 80% confident level at age 120. So. (laughs) Well, it's funny, you know, I talked to my uh, 90-year-old clients and they they just jokingly say, we don't even buy green bananas. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. (laughs) So so never mind having to worry about living to 117. Oh my, that's funny. So what was clear, what was clear from the analysis is that there was, there was no worries about her running out of money and now, but she, so she didn't really need the house as part of her portfolio. That's extra. So the house was extra and she has no debts. So the plan was to give the house to her stepson. Uh, but at the end of the day, we always, in the back of her mind, there was still a fear. What if I run out? What if something, what if Costco or I have big extra health, what if I run out? And so she began to share the story about when they were first married, she had sold her home and brought that money in to the to the family to buy their home together uh, when, they, when they were remarried. And so in her mind, it was about 35,000 50 years ago. So in her mind, she had a figure of 75,000. If I could get $75,000 out of the house, then I would feel I've got a little extra cushion and I'd be happy. So the next step was to meet with the stepson and go over the plan because she wanted him to understand what was going to happen and that she was going to give him the house and he was going to sell his house and move into it. And all she wanted in return was 75 grand. Mm -hmm. So the next, the next time we met with the son, we reviewed the whole plan and at the end, I said, and she would like 75000 from the house. And he said, oh, and he just sort of nodded, sort of looked at me blankly. And, <laughs> like, really? You're giving me a house? What's seventy five grand? Yeah. So anyway, uh, the next day he calls and says, no, I don't want to do it. Why? So there's now, we've, now some more of the story comes out. So there was some anger around the... The fact that when her, when his father died five years ago, his father left him nothing. Like there was nothing for him. Everything was to, for her care and going forward. And then at her death, he would receive whatever. So in his mind, he felt he was entitled to the house outright. No 70. Way back when. Way back when. So no, no 75 grand, you know, hooks into this. This was, this in his mind is all Mm -hmm. his. And so, five years ago when the father passed away. That's right. Okay. Exactly. So now um, 
this was now we'd had this. This is in December, in January, we find out no. So now four months later, roll the clock forward, uh, we meet with the client. I meet with the client, and there's a lawyer involved. And the purpose for the lawyer is to determine what's going to happen with this house and spell it out. And so she doesn't want to, she, she wants him to have the house, but she feels that she just can't give it to him just in case I need some money. So the lawyer, the plan is the lawyer is going to draft a letter and there'll be three options. Option one is that the home will be put in tenants in common between the three of them. So the, the stepson and his wife and my client, Mary. Mm-hmm. So they own it. The three of them own it as tenants in common, but it's theirs. Uh, number two is a, it will be a gift. So she'll give them the house. She won't be, have any ownership of it, but she'll take back a $150,000 mortgage with 0% interest and zero payments. And it will be forgiven at her death. Mm. So this just covers her in case she right. needed some cash. Mm-hmm. And the third yeah. option was if he doesn't agree to any of that, then she was just going to sell the house and she'll invest the money and we'll see what happens at the end when she passes away. The plan would be that he'll get it then. So ladies and gentlemen, I don't have an answer. You're going to have to stay tuned because (laughs) the letter is being sent as we speak and I'll give you an update when I find out what happens. Oh man, Uh, we are planning your financial future. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. We're coming right back. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. Phone lines always open. You can leave a message anytime at 905-529-7165. That's 905-529-7165. And don't forget to check out the website, andyanddon.com. That's andyanddon.com. Millennials. Millennials. And I'll just go piggyback on Andy's story here. Part two, like, is this like the end of a season? Yeah. You know, whatever your favorite show or Arrow or Walking Dead, you got to wait till September to- That's right. <laughs> that's know, it, yeah. I'm sitting there. I'm, I'm all anxious to find what happens. Whatever and, happened to that story? Yeah, yeah. come on. Yeah. Stay tuned. Oh, oh, my goodness. Man. So anyway, millennials. Um, I don't know about the you listeners out there, but I've got a couple of them. My kids were born and right in that sweet spot, and they were born in 1990, 1992. Mm-hmm. So they are now 27 and 25. And uh, basically, there's a quarter of young adults um, that are born between the 1981 and 2000, consider Generation Y or Millennials, that are currently um, on contract, working contract, or on temporary employment, Mm -hmm. which is literally twice the average employment out there right now. Mm -hmm. Okay, so when they're talking about unemployment rate is around, say, 6%, well, actually, it's... It is skewed a little bit. Yeah. And so for those people out there saying, oh, you know, my son, my daughter, they're, they're not trying hard enough. They say these stats are, are, you know, employment's great. They should be able to find a job. Well, it isn't quite as, give them a bit of a break, ladies yeah. and gentlemen, because it isn't quite as easy as, uh, as you might think. Um, you, you know, and what I am, I'm, I'm a tail end of a baby boom. Yeah, we don't really qualify for baby boomers. We're the lost generation in between yeah, right. two of these yeah, labels. Yeah, because the front end of the baby boom, they're now 67. Yeah. And they, you know, basically came out of high school and got a teacher job. Yeah. And they exactly. didn't have to go to teacher's college. Exactly. You could get all sorts of jobs based yeah. on a high school degree back then. Yep. And what we're finding now is, you know, it's it's like an escalator that is, is going down and you're running up this escalator, but yeah. it's going down faster than they can run up. Yeah. So, you know, these millennials are in school longer. They're getting one or two university degrees. Mm-hmm. They're 
they're having to delay um, starting a family mm-hmm. because they don't have enough income. Yeah. And they're working way more hours. Yeah. Okay. And they're still not being able to. And then again, if you live around this area, it's actually, you know, with the price of houses, it's hard to get out of your house. Mm-hmm. You have to pay rent. It's, it's always backwards. So they have made some massive sacrifices and they're not in the same boat as we are. So as I said, it, it's interesting. So as financial planners, it's it's nice to know, you know, they, they should still do something. And and again, the cost of waiting. To yeah, I never thought of that. So because they're so late just getting employment and, and getting to the point where they can buy houses, how does that set back their retirement plans? Absolutely. And it does. And so what I suggest is they should still be putting away maybe even if it's a hundred dollars away a month, just to get into the habit, just to get in the habit of saving. I know you're, you're say you're 22, you're starting out, you're, you're living at home though, mm-hmm. so your your costs are generally a lot less. Start banking money, put money in TFSAs. I wouldn't put a ton into the RRSPs yet, um, because you're going to have other expenses. You're in a flux at this stage. Mm-hmm. And I've met with a couple of my daughter's friends um, to try to help them out, and you know they're in that 25 to 27 range. And, and Can you buy your own RESP if you yeah, want? No if you want something, you want to get your masters. Am I allowed to do that? Yeah, no. yeah. It's uh, there is actually you can actually cash in your RSP for um, for going back to university yeah, or college, yeah. but it's not my best no, choice. Okay, no. it's more if you've you've left your job, and usually we're talking a bit older. But again, the unemployment rate is twice the the national average. So you're looking at a 12, about a 12% mm-hmm. um, unemployment rate for these millennials. And uh, 50% of these people surveyed were actually 30 years old, 30 and older. So we're not talking, you're, you're talking generally, but you go back to our time. Yeah. 30 years, you're probably married. Yeah. Um, you often have kids mm-hmm. and you might be on your second job. Yeah. Okay? yeah. And a mortgage. And, and a mortgage. Yeah. And, a, and you know, you're, you're well on your way. It, everything seems to be delayed about 10 years right now. And, and they actually said it, it, generations felt where it used to be 21, it's now like 31. Yeah. So it's a, yeah. a, literally a 10 year, and you're seeing that with the average age of marriages. Mm-hmm. But again, it doesn't mean you shouldn't sit down with a financial planner. Um, it's a huge opportunity. If anything, probably more reason to uh, sit absolutely. down because you've got so many obstacles in front of you. Well, the biggest thing, and Andy said it many times, is we have a savings problem rather than an investing problem. People aren't saving money. They're getting into debt. They still want to have all these things that they've been accustomed to through their parents. And starting just to save, even a small amount, will get you in the right habit. So, but why why is this happening? You know, that's a bigger question. And what's kind of interesting is us baby boomers are a bit of the problem. You have all these, you know, say 50 to 67-year-olds still working. Yeah. There's a big bottleneck. You ask them, though, if they want out. They probably do. <laughs> <laughs> Let's well, ask around this table. <laughs> <laughs> Love what I do. But it's, inter- it's interesting. So do I. But wouldn't you want to be retired? Mm, not Actually, I wouldn't, actually. But it's it's interesting. There's a lot of people working longer. <laughs> There's a lot of faces being made around this table. Right? <laughs> well, they, just, yeah, to each your own. Everybody yeah, likes yeah, you know, yeah. different. There's a lot of people working that yeah. don't need to work. That's true. Yeah. You know, there's a, we, I've seen a lot of No wonder millennials can't get jobs. And yeah. that's why. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. We're still working. There's people working to 70. And, and they've taken away that 65 mandatory retirement age. Mm-hmm. So you're seeing people continue to work, some because they have to, but some because they want to. Well, also now the largest segment of the population is in retirement age mm-hmm. as yes. opposed to the Absolutely. younger kids coming up. Yeah, and we'll be talking about that soon. So, 
So that's kind of the number one reason right now there's this bottleneck at the top of they're kind of waiting for these people to retire. And, and because that baby boom was a good 15, 18 years long, they're waiting a little longer than normal. Mm. Cost cutting is another one. So much to do with cost cutting and helping the bottom line more so than ever now that they're cutting jobs to help that quarterly benefit, like yeah. to show the shareholders what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And it seems to be taking a toll and they're contracting, and, and again, why they're hiring more people on contract yeah. rather than full-time employees mm-hmm. because it's cheaper. You don't have to pay benefits. You don't have to do a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Technology has also replaced a lot of humans. Yeah. So that's the number three. So jobs that they, we, you know, they may even gone to school for, they're not even, uh, there's not even those, that many jobs left because they, mm-hmm. they may not, uh, it's particularly uh, ones that are out of favor. Um, you got to kind of go with the right area now. So mm-hmm. technology, yeah. of course, is a growing area. And funny enough, uh, a lot of the trades is a growing area. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. so the, what was uh, old is new again, yeah. but certainly a lot of the university degrees mm-hmm. are, are, are really struggling, tr- struggling trying to find a job in their area. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. What I found r- extremely interesting is these millennials, only 3.3% are self-employed. Okay. Hmm. And you think, well, if they can't get a job, why are they starting their own? Yeah. Why aren't they finding a niche? Why aren't they starting a business? Why aren't they doing something? And the average across Canada, 10% of the people are, t- are, are self-employed. Mm-hmm. So they're only one third of the average. And I, I would actually suggest that schools are making them probably too conservative. Mm-hmm. They're almost making them delusional that if you get this degree, you're going to get a job. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Scott, you and I and my Andy, we're all part of the late part of the baby boomer. It actually wasn't easy for us to get jobs either. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of people that uh, had entrepreneur clubs at their universities and colleges and started their own businesses. Yeah. And uh, coincidentally, uh, there are the richest people in the world who's uh, self-employed, but they're also the poorest. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So yeah. depending how well you run your business. Mm-hmm. So it is uh, interesting times. Um, Six percent of the broader population right now has two jobs, but interestingly enough, millennials—it's not that they, they don't want to work. Twenty-one percent have two jobs, mm-hmm. so m- almost over triple the amount of people have two jobs just to kind of get by. And uh, health benefits—thirty-two percent do not have health, health, health yeah. benefits right now because so many are on contract. So it's a—it's an interesting stage for our, our millennial, our kids. It, it'll be fascinating to see what their kids are like because there's our generation, there's our kids, which are the millennials. Mm-hmm. And it'll be interesting to see how their kids will grow up and what they'll learn from what their parents had to go through. Exactly. I don't think humans have changed too much. And if they had a house, job, etc., they'd be having kids earlier too. Yeah. Okay. It's just that they're not in the same position. Mm-hmm. And so the opportunities aren't there. I would suggest, uh, again, you should sit down with your... If uh, the parents have a financial planner, you should really take the kids under your wing mm-hmm. and give them a financial plan. Okay, here's how to save money. Yeah. Um, here's a way to get going in the right direction. Here's what RSPs are. Because more than likely, you might be on contract when you get your jobs and you won't have a retirement plan. Yeah. There, there won't yeah. be a defined benefit <clears throat> plan. And I think it's, uh, you know, one of, one of the interesting phenomena I see is that a lot of millennials are interested in, I, I mean, when, when, when I graduated from school, the there was two camps there you know go get a job camp mm-hmm. and go and travel camp and by far the majority of my friends we went it was go get a job yeah. camp because <clears throat> practicality they were there they were there mm-hmm. too as well mm-hmm. they were and they weren't but it was um, 
uh, I think it was practicality more than anything, you know, mm-hmm. in terms of getting on with it. And yeah. uh, um, whereas today I would say the larger camp is I can't find a job, so I'm going to travel. Yeah. I'll do I'll do two or three part-time jobs. I can't make money, so I'll spend right. it. Right. I'll get two or three part-time <laughs> yeah, jobs yeah, till yeah. I accumulate enough cash to be able to do my trip to Asia for two months yeah. or do my uh, go out west and I'll work out mm-hmm. west for, for a, a winter season. You know, so there's a lot of that experiencing and traveling, uh, doing that first. Mm-hmm. And I think it's interesting how that's going to play out because, um, you know, do I have regrets for not traveling in many ways? Uh, yeah. It would have been a different way of seeing things at mm-hmm. that age. Whereas when I travel now, uh, we see them at a, from a different perspective. Yeah, so yeah. I, I, there, I don't think there's a right or wrong, but I do think it's a phenomenon where people are are, are deferring the real career mm. in in essence by doing a lot of more part-time things along the way, doing some traveling, and really, I guess, trying maybe trying to find themselves. Like yeah. Where, yeah. Where or actually, the opportunity. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, so, so as much as the millennials at one side need a financial plan and just to get going, Again, and uh, you can never start too early, and that never changed from 30 years ago when we first started. Uh, procrastination is the biggest reason most people fail financially, mm-hmm. and that won't change anytime. So humans are humans, and we still need to put some money away for retirement, regardless of, of their income. So you still need to look at paying yourself first and say, I owe Joe or Susie X amount of dollars per month, and that's your retirement. Even if you're maybe a bartender and you're sitting there with a, uh, you know, a, a B in economics. Yeah. Um, you still need to put money away, yeah. okay? But then you have the other end of the, the equation, as you were saying, Scott, where now we have more seniors than kids. Mm-hmm. And as of what just took place a couple of weeks ago, the uh, census came out that 16.9% of the population in Canada is over 65, and only 16.6% are under 15. And that is the uh, first time ever yeah. in Canada. Yeah. It's never been yeah. like that. And it's in uh, the working age of uh, the, the people in that working age between, say, 16 years old and 64 has actually declined from to 60.5% from, sorry, 60, uh, yeah, 60.5% from 68.5. There's been a, a, a 3% drop, actually. I apologize. It was, 30, it was actually 3% different. So 63.5 mm-hmm. from 68.5. So you're seeing less people working, more people retired. And one thing I know that was taken off the table was uh, the old age security of having that mandatory was supposed to, say, put it off to 67 Mm -hmm. and it got replaced back to 65. And yet one of the biggest um, costs, no question. So it's going to be interesting how the governments go forward on the old age security because certainly most countries are raising that limit Mm -hmm. because the average age is getting there and the fastest area of any um, age group. Where is it now, Scott? Fastest growing? Yeah, fastest growing area. I would say seniors, no? Seniors, yeah, yeah but what age? Say 70s, um, 80s, 90s? I would say uh, 65 plus. Centurions. Oh, you're right. I heard that. Yeah. 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 It's gone up like 14 or 15% or mm-hmm. something, 20%? 41.3%. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Un- wow. You know, I guess percentages. But is only a- that, honestly, that's like yeah. from three to four. Well, <laughs> there's three or four too, in Canada now. There's too far five off. or six. There's actually eight thousand two hundred and thirty yeah, people over a hundred years old in, in Canada. Canada. Wow. They used to make a big. This used to be front page news. Used to be in the news. paper all the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They, they would. 
it's not worthy of space anymore. Eighty-two yeah. hundred. Now, having said, no, they're generally single females, yeah, <laughs> right, widowed right. at the stage mainly. Uh, most of them are women. Mm-hmm. But again, um, I know Andy in the previous segment was talking about a retirement plan, and until age one hundred seventeen, mm-hmm. she's looked after. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what? There's yeah. a lot more planning for than those eight thousand people. They're concerned about that. <laughs> That's true. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. So we're getting that area that needs far more financial planning and and really need to watch about ling- longevity risk. So are we, can anybody see this pendulum swinging the other direction that yes, there's all these old people still working, that's keeping the millenniums out of a job, but all of a sudden one day we're going to wake up and it's, where did all the seniors go? Everybody's <laughs> right. quitting. Yeah. They're dropping like flies. Yeah. <laughs> So won't yeah, I mean, can you see millennials or or those that are uh, after them all of a sudden, boom, it, it's going through the roof simply yeah. because there's a demand for people yes. to fill these positions. Maybe it is that next generation, the, yeah. the millennials kids the millennials that are kids going to inherit all, the benefit yeah. of that. They'll be as, as greedy yeah. as their grandparents were <laughs> And they'll be at the, the 80s all over again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they'll it's be the at the trough getting all the easy jobs. <laughs> Big hair and lots of colors coming exactly. back. <laughs> I can see it now. Bad music. <laughs> and, and they'll have lots of choices. But it's interesting. So we have one end of the millennials. They need a certain type of financial plan. The other end mm. are the people over 65, and they need a totally different financial plan. And whereas before it was pretty straightforward, get a GIC, didn't have to worry about too much. Um, who cares about inflation? Well, now if you're going to live to past 100, inflation is a big role. Wow. So you need to make sure your financial plan is inflation proof and look after that longevity risk. Jumping up a year or two to 65 to 67, are we even in the ballpark? Shouldn't it mm. be 72, 73, right, 75? Right, I mean, right. are we are we that far away from that discussion? Well, uh, you're probably right. And it's, uh, you know, I think they didn't want to shock anybody. Yeah, really. <laughs> well, look at that. They bumped it up two years, then they took it back. So yeah. imagine if they did bump yeah. it up five years yeah. where we'd be. Exactly. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, we are planning your financial future. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. You can call now and leave a message. 905-529-7165 and check out their website at andyanddon.com. That's andyanddon.com. You can listen to old shows there and actually ask a question via the listener inquiry button. We're coming right back. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. You can call now. They will get back to you. Just leave a message at 905-529-7165. That's 905-529-7165. And don't forget to check out the website at andyanddon.com. That's andyanddon.com. All right, we're searching for true happiness during retirement. (laughs) Is it all about money? You know, that's the funny thing. You know, most people think, well, give me a ton of money mm-hmm. and I'll be happy. Sure. And to a certain extent, you're right on with that comment. And it's interesting. They actually took a study of 20,000 people. So this is a U.S. study and Canadians aren't too far off. And they found the happiness factor increased as the wealth factor mm-hmm. increased. But it did actually hit a sweet spot at $3.5 million. Hmm. So when you're investable assets hit $3.5 million, that's as happy as it's going to get. Really? Because actually after $3.5 million, your happiness factor actually dropped. As people had more money, they actually had less happiness. Really? And you think, well, how could that be? Well, as as it turns out, as you have more money, more and more time is spent looking after this damn money. Yeah. <laughs> You're more worried. Yeah. Bigger you know, loss. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. Look at this. More I went to lose. To, you know, it goes up uh, 5%. Well, if you got $10 million, 5% of 10 million is a lot more than 5% of three and a half. Yeah. And really, for most people, 
they can do as much as they can with three and a half million. Their 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 expectations have all been used up. Mm-hmm. Um, having that extra million or two didn't make another difference. So the the trick was absolutely go through the things. And, and again, most people aren't at the three and a half million dollar mark. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's a nice problem to have. Yeah, really. Uh, and and again, Andy and I would love. We've grown a lot of millionaires over the years. Like I could tell you, I would suggest. Probably 80% of the millionaire clients we have are ones we've grown to past a million dollars. Mm-hmm. Okay. But it's interesting. What truly would make you happy would be marriage counseling. Because if you're going to spend all this time with your husband or wife, mm. you better make sure you're, you you got things straightened away. That's you right. need a, a marriage counselor on retainer. Yeah. 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 <laughs> okay. Call at any time. <laughs> so you don't lose half your fortune. <laughs> they That's said, right. do take if you've got a month of holidays... Do a trial retirement. Take a month off and spend it at home with your spouse. And that will kind of give out the kinks of saying, okay, well, we got some things to work out, or this is exactly how the commercial said it would be. (laughs) (laughs) Mm. Mm. And uh, they said, you're you're far better off to actually have a counselor because it's a huge new stage in somebody's life. Yeah, it is. You know, you've gone from, say, a dating stage, which, uh, you know, all great. And then you have kids that kind of sidetrack you. Mm-hmm. And now you've got a lot of your social network is now gone. Yeah. All your friends at work that used to take you to the bars or bowling afterwards or certain events, well, they're still working. And uh, maybe you got to get new friends. And we actually, we've talked about this before. Or a new spouse. Uh, and th- that happens a lot at I, that stage. It does, doesn't it? We it, hear more and more of older people yes. becoming separated. Yeah. And this, so this is why we're in, in this particular article suggests that a marriage counselor is, an, is a really good way. It would actually increase your happiness because it would change perhaps expectations of both people to say this is the way it's going to be. Yeah. Or maybe it says, oh, it's been a good run. It's confirmation. <laughs> it's confirmation. It sucks. See you later. <laughs> <laughs> so that was one thing. Um, another type is everybody's uh, – a lot of people are worried about, you know, am I getting – you know, every last drop of return out of that investment portfolio. Turns out that's not that much fun. Mm. And people really want to have this on autopilot, know that the paycheck's coming in. Having a, you know, you pay somebody to look after your car. Most people do not want to know every aspect of it. And having a financial planner allows that person to entrust somebody to look after your affairs. Now, having said that, just like a mechanic or even even probably more important, a doctor, you got to trust these people. Yeah. Okay. Car can go bad and, you, you know, you'd be a little ticked off. Health is certainly the most important. Money is right up there, probably number two. But one investment that has no money management at all, and Andy and I have talked about them briefly over the last uh, year or so, and they're making a bit of a comeback, is annuities. Mm-hmm. You pay, take your money, you lose total track of it. Here, I'm going to take say, a, a certain percentage of it, say 20%. I'm going to buy an annuity with it. And now I'm going to get cash for life. It doesn't matter what the stock market does. It doesn't matter what interest rates do. You uh, can't change your mind anymore. There is no decisions on this money. And you're going to get this paycheck every single month. And it turns out that is really happy. It makes people happy knowing that this paycheck's coming in and that they can just spend the money freely. Because what happens is if they have the money, now they got to think, well, how much of this should I spend? because it might not be there next month. What if the market drops? Mm-hmm. What if it goes up? Who's going to get elected? Well, what's going to happen if Trump gets in? Well, the market's going to go, oh, it went up, good. You know, there's so many things that goes through their head, which isn't fun. You worked very hard for your money to build this up over many, many years. 
And now you got to worry about how to manage it. Yeah. And so an annuity turns out to be a very good spot for a portion. And again, I, I stress a portion and it ends up having happiness. Now kids, um, having a, a, a n- marriage is number one, having a good spouse that you have a, a you know great relationship with. Having a happy relationship with your kids also increases happiness at retirement. But it turns out if they're within 15 kilometers away, it's not as happy. (laughs) (laughs) You want those kids to be over 15 kilometers away. How about another province? (laughs) Province? Mm -hmm. And, you know, maybe there's a destination. You you jump in your RV or a car or or train and you visit them. Those retirees turn out to be happier than the ones that are living around the corner. And perhaps really ch- kind of jumping on your bandwagon a little bit and, and, it, and encumbering you with things that you would normally be doing. You're spending more time with your kids. So again, having a great relationship with your kids, but keep them a few blocks away than you think. <laughs> okay, funny story. We know these people. They uh, live in, an, in a neighborhood. Uh, they'd been there for a couple of years. Then all of a sudden, they're out in their backyard and notice their father and mother Three doors down. Ooh. Oh, wow. They didn't tell them. <laughs> they were moving into their neighborhood. Hi, can we borrow a cup of sugar? <laughs> oh, man. They literally saw them in the backyard looking around. Who moved first? <laughs> no, I believe they're all there at this point. Uh, but as Andy says, stay tuned. Uh, we are planning your financial future. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. 905-529-7165. And don't forget to check out the website at andyanddon.com. We're coming right back. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. You can check out the website, listen to old shows there, and even ask a question at andyanddon.com. And the phone lines are always open. Just leave a message at 905-529-7165. Understanding MERS. And I guess that starts with what's a MER? It's not Mars. It's MERS. Uh, Yeah. Different spelling here. MERS. M-E-R stands for Management Expense Ratio. Mm -hmm. Uh, There has been a lot of talk, particularly in the financial media and in the general media, about the cost of owning our investments. What does it cost to own our investments and what are we paying to own our investments? What are we paying for advice, I guess, is also part of that. But MERS or MERS, have um, that's been the acronym used in the mutual fund industry for the last 60 years. And it basically is a, a calculation of the cost to run the mutual fund that right. you own. And so the one thing that the, the biggest thing that's changing in terms of the management expense ratio and that information is as part of an industry-wide initiative as of July 2017 so coming up this this July that fee the portion of that fee that is paid to investors group for servicing your account it's going to appear on your annual statement so right. but whatever institution you work for or you work with Sorry, you will see this information, your your uh, management expense fee, or what we call the dealer services fee, and this is where it kind of starts getting a little more complex. Mm-hmm. You'll start to see this information. Some institutions are already reporting it on you. You may have seen it on your March 31st statement. And basically, it's, a, it's supposed to be a 12-month calculation of how much did you pay in dollar terms 
or per- and percentage terms, but dollar terms for sure, uh, over the last 12 months. So in the situation for at Investors Group starting in uh, July, you will see a summary of those uh, fees that are dealer service fees that have been paid by you. And that's been a, that'll be a total for the last 12 months from July of 2016 to July of 2017. Now, a, a management expense ratio is calculated. How is that calculated and kind of what is it and what are we actually going to be seeing on our statements? When you invest in a mutual fund, the fund itself pays certain management fees and distribution fees related to its expenses. And that MER is the total amount of those expenses expressed as a percentage of the fund's total assets. And now MERs or management expense ratios, they're going to vary depending on a number of factors such as the type of fund, uh, some expenses are unique to a fund or the fund series. And the portion of that MER, the portion of that MER that is attributed to the dealer will be reported as a dollar amount on your statement. So in some funds, for example, if you've got an emerging markets mutual fund, the MER typically on those foreign mutual funds are higher because of the cost of implementing transactions, the cost of accounting, and the cost of inf- gathering information and research uh, is, is higher generally on a foreign investment. So the information you're going to see on your statement is going to be a portion of that MER. And it's a portion that they call the dealer services fee. And so if I were to break out uh, a percentages, and we sort of talk about numbers a little bit here, if you had a, uh, a mutual fund whose MER, management expense ratio, was 2%, what that means, if you had a $10,000 investment, you're going, your, your MER amount, your management expense ratio amount is $200, mm-hmm. 2% of the 10000 So... That $200 is then broken down into four main sections. The largest section goes to investment management. Mm -hmm. And so that is paying the professional and the teams and the research that are going to make decisions about what investments are owned, what investments are sold, and et cetera. How is the portfolio built, and how is it going to be maintained, and any changes that have to occur to it based on their research? That's 44%. 38% of that 2% is the dealer services portion. This is the portion that you're going to see on your statement. Mm-hmm. So in the case of uh, the example I'm using, a $10,000 investment with a 2% MER of $200, the dealer fee would be $76. So in our case, that $76 is paid to investors group. And then uh, as your advisor, as your financial planner, we are paid out of that portion of it. Uh, the next portion is administration and other fund services, so ongoing um, accounting, uh, auditing, et cetera, services, et cetera. That's 10% of that 2%. And then finally, the last piece is 8%, which are taxes, HST or GST, depending on which province you're in, taxes are collected right. on that two, as part of that 2% MER. So basically, on a $10,000 investment with an MER of 2%, it's $200 that is paid by the fund each year. And out of that $200, $76 is what's called the dealer fee. And what are you getting out? Of, what are you getting for that, I guess, in terms of um, uh, the benefits, et cetera, coming back to you? Basically, 
uh, from your consultant, from Don and I, it's obviously the comprehensive financial planning. We're reviewing investments. We're re- analyzing your retirement. We're minimizing taxation. We're doing an insurance analysis. We're providing an estate analysis. So that's about the financial planning portion. The next portion would be the portfolio analysis, understanding that risk. And we've talked about that before. What are you taking? Strategy implementation or execution, making sure that things are getting done. Your TFSA is getting maximized, that your portfolio is rebalanced on a regular basis, that um, you money is being paid out to you properly and in the right locations and, and any changes. Ongoing advice, and then regular reporting and communication in terms of your quarterly statements or your financial plan being updated, etc. And so, you know, I think the, the research tells us that those services are what's key to really helping the individual investor. And it's it's helping people accumulate more wealth through better savings behavior. It's helping people build towards a more comfortable retirement and understanding what that is. It's helping people be, I think, select more tax-efficient investment choices in terms of how do you put, where do you put your money. We help people maintain that long-term perspective in terms of their investment strategy. And that becomes protect about protecting us against poor financial decisions and avoiding emotional habits, those emotional investing habits of selling low instead of buying low and doing opposite of what we want to do. So it's great information. I think it's important to understand and, and um, put it in perspective. It'll be new on most people's statements this year. Mm-hmm. And um, again, we've talked about it before. People should be getting value for what they're paying And that's an important thing to understand. We have been planning your financial future. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. You can call now, leave a message at at 905-529-7165. That's 905-529-7165. Thank you, gentlemen. We'll see you next week. Thank you, Scott.